Welcome to the Side Talks Podcast. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm Corey Kraft. What's up, Ding Dongs? Oh, you did that really quick. Good. Yeah, I'm like yeah, the Micro Machines announcer. <sighs> anyway, we took 90s a- kids, where you at? Micro Machines, am I right? My brother loved that shit. Loved it. Loved Brad just it. gave me devil yeah. horns. I, I went re- through a Micro Machines phase. Hell man. yeah, you did. My brother also loved Rush. <laughs> I did not go through a rush phase. Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, Tom Sawyer coming out of his room. I was like, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. It's really irritating. Anyway, uh, let's talk about movies and not about, you know, Rush. Unless we're talking about the film Rush with Jason Patrick and oh, Jennifer good Jason Lee. Good call. Boom. That's a reference. That is definitely that's that I, I just identified a movie. I've seen Check that film. and mate. I've never seen it. I I've just know that that, that it's, Eric it's Clapton song about okay. his kid dying comes from that movie. That's right, it does. Yeah. I forgot about that. Thank you for Everybody did, because it, that song is like associated with Eric Clapton Unplugged. That's another 90s reference. Folks, ask your grandparents about Eric Clapton Unplugged. Man, because are we they at grandparents now? Certainly. Jesus, we're not. Let's not, not go to grand- grandparent level here. <laughs> not a grandparent. <laughs> oh, I'm, excuse me. I'm, ask your great-grandparents about Eric Clapton Unplugged. Uh, because, I, you know, everybody over the age of, like, 55 in 1995 or 96 when that thing came out went through an Eric Clapton moment and it was intense. I was trying to do this podcast intro quick but I, I've got to tell a story now. <laughs> okay. uh, old boss an advertising agency and he would get real hyped up. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to try to throw out there what he might be doing in that advertising agency but I'm sure you can imagine. No. And he was on one one day and he pulled me in his side and got really close to my face. He goes, you know who I look like? Who everybody tells me I look like? And I was like, uh, no. And, you know, that's a scary question, right? And this is guys, you know, the one who cuts my paycheck. Well, he doesn't, but he's, it comes out of, you know, the account that he owns. And so I'm like, I don't know. And he goes, Eric fucking Clapton. That um, happened to me. Do you think and he did. he did. He actually did a little. I was like, yeah, I get that. Do you think your old boss is uh, supported Brexit <laughs> and is kind of a racist? Maybe. And anti-vaccine, Maybe. I think. He definitely, and this is going to really point to who he is, he drove a Corvette. Well, there you go. Yeah. Done. All right. Uh, moving on. Let's talk about movies. Let's do it. What's this shit? can't even do it. See, I can't even no, really get there. No, but that, was, that was, was much higher than I could do. For Paul and Voice, not too bad, right? Okay, so here it is. Okay. I have a film for you, and I've got to actually look and say, okay, don't don't look at my piece of paper. No, not going to um, look. Even though that isn't actually the, that isn't the right <laughs> thing either. Okay, don't look at my piece of paper. Okay. Um, so... This is a film that I – I'm going to give you a couple hints. All right. I didn't know how to come across a film to this – I was in a hurry, so I didn't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I asked Chloe. Yeah? Yeah, I asked Chloe, our executive director at Sidewalk. Hey, Chloe. Sorry what? about all the things we've said on this podcast. Oh, yeah. We apologize. But I said, <laughs> what's a really terrible film? And she threw this title at me. So that gives you a hint because it's Chloe world. You know, like Chloe's seen it. It's going to be in her world. Uh-huh. That might give you – you've known Chloe a long time. This might give you some ideas. Uh-huh. And so I went and watched a couple of clips from this film. The first one, I just can't even really bring you. I'm just going to tell you, it's two people. They're both fairly famous. They're arguing. They're clearly a married couple, even though he's referencing her boyfriend, which I guess is like kind of like the way you might prod somebody and be like, your boyfriend, you know? Gotcha. But they're clearly married, and they clearly, from this conversation, haven't had sex in a long time, and he just wants five minutes with her. This is the whole point. It really could be any married couple movie this this dialogue could be placed on. Gotcha. Any you know, mediocre level written movie about people who are married and have tr- married troubles. Okay. So, but so I go to another clip cause that wasn't really doing it for me. I didn't think that was fair to bring to you. Okay. And so this other clip, it's, 
the same woman from this argument, so the wife in this film, uh-huh. right, who's also is a famous woman, coming up the stairs, and her boss is a f- fairly famous man fairly from a famous. little bit of a different generation. That's her boss. Older man, probably. Yeah, a little bit older. Okay. And they're coming up the steps at the at what looks to be you know her office or his office, and she's pitching him something. It's maybe what it is anyway. And she gets on her phone um, a text that comes through. So that gives you some idea of when this is. Even Fairly though, contemporary. Even though it's a big bubble text. Okay. 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 And, and it says something about her kid having Emily, I think is her kid's name, having lice. Oh, no. And then the music gets real crazy. It's like, you know, like, like humorous music. Really, you know, and, and she kind of does a jolt. So it become, I'm like, oh, this is trying to be like really kind of slapsticky level. Mm-hmm. And then she gets to the office and starts scratching her head every time he's looking away. Hmm. Every time the boss is looking away or the like guy she's pitching to is looking away, she's scratching at her head, scratching at her head. Ah, I've got lice now. And that's the comic moment is, you know, is every time that he looks away, she's like really goofy like, you know, regular old Buster Keaton over here. Yeah, okay. And anyway, so then he's kind of, I don't, I feel like you don't know it by now. I don't. You don't know it. You probably haven't seen it. Um, okay. Can we call this a loss? Well, no, hold please? on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, is this woman, is this woman Anne Hathaway? No, but you know, it's not a world away from that. It's really not. (sighs) Okay. Well, it's not what I thought it was then. And you know, I could see Anne Hathaway in this role though. I mean, this is how she'd play it. Exactly how this person's playing it. Yeah. Well, this, this just isn't ringing any bells. I bet you haven't seen it. Yeah, probably not. So I'm going to tell you, you lost this. Yeah. I think we have to say you lost it. Yeah. But I'm going to give you a chance to get maybe just like a little bit of a like, maybe a bonus point on something else that needs to either go one way or another okay. in a future round. All right. The woman is SJP, Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, I and make a point to not see too many Sarah uh, Jessica Parker movies. You know what? As soon as Chloe said this, I said, I don't think Corey's going to get this one. And she said, well, isn't that the point? And I said, yes. Um, so we is this you. Is this... Like, did you hear about the Morgans or something? Good guess, but this is, I don't know how she does it, yeah, which is that. legitimately the name of a film. I don't I, know how I she does it. I remember this coming out, and I think I avoided it. And if I saw it, I banished it from memory. Chloe, we got him. You we got me. got him. Who else is in this thing? Who are the other? That Bond guy. One of the Bonds. One of the right? Bonds? I think so. Like yeah, Pierce Brosnan? I, yeah, I think that's him. I, I think don't... he's in it. We'll have to do a retraction if I'm wrong. He looked like a Bond man. How she... A handsome Bond man. Does it. Directed by Douglas McGrath from 2011. According to Letterboxd, I have seen this movie and rated it one star. Oh, wow. Um, So that tells you what I think about it. I can't believe you don't remember it, though. Oh, really? You can't believe it? Um, (laughs) No, I can't. You remember all kinds of other bullshit, This does not sound like a terribly memorable movie, but this has a pretty good cast. Apart from Pierce Brosnan, we got Greg Kinnear, who I guess is her put-upon husband. He annoys me, so I'm not calling that great. Uh Uh-oh, I like Greg Kinnear. Okay, well, there we go. I mean, I got to fight about Greg Kinnear for a five-minute fight situation. That would be the dullest shit ever because he is dull. Nobody I, wants but to I genu- genuinely, I'm like, okay, there's Greg Kinnear. Seth Myers is in this movie. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Um, Christina Hendricks from Mad Men. She's great. Kelsey Grammer. Uh, that's uh-uh. not necessarily. Uh-uh. Okay. Well, maybe the nope. it's just got a notable cast. Maybe not a good cast. Um, yeah. All right. So I missed this, but I definitely have seen it, but definitely forgot all about it because, of course, I did. Because who could possibly remember this other than Chloe, apparently? Yeah. Well, she said it might be bad movie night bad, which we'll, we'll take a look. We'll, well take a look. hey, one star on Letterboxd. You it must know. be. 
Uh, so is don't. Did you hear about the Morgans? By the way, that shit sucks. But is it funny? Sucks. No. Yeah, that's the problem. All right. Well, till until next time, Corey. And now a look at what we're watching this week. So, any thoughts about? What you've been watching? Want to know what I've been watching by chance? I do very much want to know what you've been I watching. I think I know something you've been watching, and I'm anxious. I'm anxious to hear. So I'm going to quickly run through mine really fast. Okay. I've been watching a few things actually. Yeah. Uh, I watched Fatal Attraction. I'm listening to Erotic 90s. Yeah. It's come up. Had to do it. Man, this one goes for the balls. I acknowledging, of course, how socially problematic. Oh, fatal attraction it's is incredibly. Pro- I mean, it's so anti-feminist. It's kind of a banger, though. It's a lot of fun. It's to watch. so good. <laughs> it's so fun to watch. I mean, it's also fun to watch and be like, I see what you're doing there. You're trying to. Oh, yeah. She couldn't get any worse. Yeah. She couldn't get any crazier. Look at the crazy lady. Yeah. You know, as long as you're watching it through those eyes of awareness, those Susan Faludi backlash informed sure. eyes. It's really enjoyable. I apologize to Susan Faludi for that, but it is. And I know Susan Faludi had a good time watching this thing because you get to rip it apart because it's so on the surface sex as bullshit. Nominated but, for the Academy Award for Best Picture, well, I mean, which and, is insane. Oh, because the Academy never does anything. It's insane that this got an Oscar nomination. It is because it's but, over the. T- it's Adrian line at Adrian lining. Like he, it is totally over the top, wild and crazy ride. And the best part is, you know damn well that that they set it up so there is no reason at all for the great American bird, aka Michael Douglas. There is no reason for him to cheat. His wife is amazing. She's super fucking hot. Yeah. Like there's nothing going on there. She's she rules. There but is no reason for him to cheat. He can't None. resist that pure animal magnetism of Glenn Close. Of Glenn Close, yes. I mean and of course she's like in the meatpacking district in this gray apartment and she that's what happens. Like ladies, if you decide to work and have a job you are going to be a cut throat bitch you can't get a man you can't keep a man you gotta beg them like it that is just telling you that time and time again and the only way to avoid this the only way to avoid it men is do not cheat whatever you do because yeah. you're gonna get taken by the balls and ladies i'm gonna tell you right now stay at home girl <laughs> stay at home it's not worth don't it. get the job not worth stay it. at home love that baby You're- love that man don't you dare go outside that house your husband and will stray when he wants to when you want to move to the suburbs, resist the urge, stay in the city, stay hot, stay fun. I mean, that is the messaging of this thing. And it is like every time you think that that messaging is over, they slap you from the I other know. side. I know. I mean, it's it's indispensable on that <laughs> front or indefensible rather. But I will say, you know, Adrian Lyon, he's a really good filmmaker. It's and it's really well made. Look, it's, I'm, I'm and it's really well performed. performed. I'm, I'm offended at every turn, offended at every turn. And it's, so, but it's almost like meta, right? It's yeah. almost so propagandish that it's, Turn the other way just to be like a laughing stock, but a really, really enjoyable, fun, and well-made film. And I agree, well-performed, even though, oh, my God. You know how this thing opens? Michael Douglas Douglas laying on the couch in tidy whities Something I never yeah. needed to see is this man's bullshit yeah. walking around a house. Like, bleh, bleh. That's what we did in the 80s. <laughs> That's what we did. I mean, not just walk around in tidy whities but like look at Michael Douglas doing right. stuff. Right, look he at was, Michael Douglas's balls. That was what the '80s were about. You know, it is. It's so improbable. I hope that the dick he, jars out today, by the way, because it, oh, it's, it's banging good. through this one. <laughs> it's so improbable that he became like the star of so many of these erotic thrillers because he's nasty. But like, 
you know, I, I do think there's something kind of subversive <laughs> there, like in him selecting, like, what is the sleaziest fucking character I could right. play? Like, he's he's kind of playing with this, he's I don't know, this himself, movie star maybe, persona. Though, well, I, I don't know if he's playing himself or Let's if we've come to think can- of do him. I need to bring up the throw cancer again? Well, that's again. true. Okay, that's fair. But, like, between Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct and Disclosure, starring yeah. your favorite actress in the world, Demi Moore... Um, yeah, so he's playing, you know, and, and then Gordon Gecko, which is not from an erotic thriller, but he's, you know, the ultimate 80s sleaze bag in that, um, you know, it, it, there's something where he is kind of one of those figures in the late 80s and early 90s who is really by the roles he's picking, taking these sort of interesting, challenging roles to American masculinity and sort of roles that are critical of American masculinity. I think I don't think he's seeing it. I think you're giving him way more credit. I well, think whether he, just, he sees it or not, that's yeah, how it comes across. I, I mean, I get I get what you're saying, but I feel like he's just like, I'm the man. That's the vibe I get from him. It's just like, I'm the man. I don't think he's seeing the... He's really not playing it with subtlety either. No. It's good performance, but I don't know that it's it's sort of inward knowledge level performance. Well, I, I, I guess the one film where that is yeah. explicitly the case is Falling Down, where he... Yeah, it's, you know, it's really on the nose, that thing. Too. It is yeah, on the nose, get, but it I is it. thematically... I, that, to me, feels like the pinnacle of his like American masculinity deconstruction. Yeah, and that's on the. I mean, I that mean, this, movie's not very good. This right? is like, a lot more fun. It to is watch. what it is. Yeah. And let me ask, how good is the kid in this thing? That is what I saw. I'd seen this, you know, yeah, obviously years ago. Right. I saw this, I think, in the theater, rewatching it, you know, and, and you know, the context that uh, Karina Longworth brought to, to the podcast is a little bit more than I knew, but like I, I kind of knew all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you don't know anything about the, the, this film and its place in the world and sort of the, the whole backlash level of it all. And it, that is a great podcast. Yeah. to listen to period. Like it's enjoyable even if you do know, but if you don't know, man, go listen to that thing. Um, but watching it now through, you know, with, with, with that a little bit in the background and, and just the, you know, the, the, the time that has passed really, really holds up in some ways. Um, and in other ways, it's just such a time capsule, but an embraceable time capsule. But the, I forgot or didn't ever acknowledge just how good the kid is. In this Kid's stuff. really good. Kid's really good. Yeah. So, I mean, that's where I got to give Adrian Lyon something like mm-hmm. that kid didn't bring that shit to the screen. You know what I mean? Like Adrian Lyon did that. He's a good so filmmaker. He's a good filmmaker, but he's a particular, he's a choicey filmmaker in a uh-huh. particular way. And he's a all around son of a bitch. But you know what? Eh, the film is enjoyable. I hate to say it. I'm so sorry. I feel like, I, you know, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at it like it's so obvious, right? That you can't even be mad at it. It's so obvious. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Uh, that's kind of how I feel too. It's not like, is the know. joke on us, Adrian line? Like, is he, you know what I mean? I don't know. Anyway, that's arguable. It's a fun one to talk about. That's I, we spent too more time than I said we would. So I, I'm going to kind of kick it to you in a second, but I do want to point out that I watched something on the criterion channel that, that was not criterion deserving. Uh-huh. I'm going to tell you right now. So if you like this film, I'll argue it. With uh, you, okay. I think it's terrible, but I don't actually don't think you're going to like it or don't like it. It is a film called Dream Lover from 1993. Yeah, that's part of their erotic thrillers yeah, collection. Yeah, James Spader starring. I mm-hmm. think it's and, and also uh, what Shelley from Twin Peaks is that right? Uh, Machen Amick, I think, is the actress. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen this one. I've seen it on the Criterion Channel too, but not good. Oh, I don't like it. No, I think it's really kind of terrible, and and, and I think it actually. Uh, I don't know what it's trying to do. Actually, uh, yeah. unlike unlike Fatal Attraction, <clears throat> that feels so sexist that it's kind of 
you know, just fodder. Mm-hmm. This feels like, I don't know, dangerous to me, mm-hmm. a little bit dangerous. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, I, you know, take a look at it if you want and let me know what you think. I've watched a couple things in that collection, um, most of which I didn't like. We, yeah. we talked about Poison Ivy in a previous episode, uh, and I don't think we talked about it, but I watched William Friedkin's Jade. Yeah. That yeah, shit's yeah, yeah, yeah. awful. Yeah, I can't, I've seen it. I don't remember it, but I got to tell you, little me didn't mind it. Yeah. Like younger me was like, oh, that's fine. Anyway, what do you mean? I don't need to talk too much about it. Maybe see it. Maybe we'll have a conversation sure. on it. You know, I can't stand a film that's sort of wrapped around all these dream sequences and the right, dream right, sequences right. are a carnival. It's all themed. Like nobody's dreamed this oh, before, y'all. If you're going to do that's, I did like the Sopranos dream sequences because they felt like real dreams. Yeah. You know, and when Tony was having a dream or whoever was having a dream, you felt like that's fucked up and you knew it was a dream right away. It was never like, oh my, I don't think, I, at least I don't remember. I mean, you've watched Sopranos more recently. But I don't remember episodes that were like, well, God, God, I got fooled by the Tony dream. It was always like him walking across the ocean or something. Yeah, you know? I mean, it is – It is. those are some of the best depictions of dreams I think I've yeah. seen in anything in and The so Sopranos. I can tolerate that. Right. It's still not my favorite part about The Sopranos, but I can tolerate that. But, man, I, a dream sequence kind of drives me nuts, especially a fake-out dream sequence. Yeah, those are lame. And And – and if you're gonna do one, it shouldn't look like a it shouldn't look like a movie. It needs to look like a dream, which is what's hard about a dream sequence. But this just looks like clowns at a carnival. It's a dream. Nobody's dream has ever looked like that. No. Not that I know what people, other people's dreams look like. But anyway, what have you been watching? I've seen a ton of stuff. Oh, you know, yeah. we we took last week off. Uh, and I had a lot to talk about then, and I have even more to talk about now. But I'm not going to talk about all of it. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, you said that you were looking forward to me bringing something up. What is that? Desperately seeking Susan. Yeah, I you figured saw as much. It. I watched it. It's very good. Yes, it is. I really enjoyed it. Um, it it makes who's that girl make more sense to me, yeah. knowing that Madonna had already kind of done a proto 80s screwball comedy. But um, Desperately Seeking Susan reminds me a lot of like After Hours or something sure. wild cut from the same cloth, right? Um, it's the era it's, for it. You yeah. know? It's the era for the like, I'm trying to figure out what the hell to do with my suburban life. Yeah, there's an element of that yuppie panic that, that characterizes After Hours, except After Hours is, you know, way way hornier um not that desperately seeking susan doesn't have some of that because you know madonna's walking around like that you know um there's the scene where she's just like chilling next to the dude's pool eating the cheese puffs it rules she's she's just like in a bra and underwear and just like hanging out there with a garter belt like yeah she she looks like i texted you this or slacked Uh this i'm like 10-year-old me was like, she's just the coolest person in the fucking world. Yeah. It just so cool. Um, yeah, truly. I yeah. mean, that's that's When it. she goes to try to steal the boots or the yeah. jacket or whatever uh-huh. in that scene, and he's like, let's stay on the rug. I don't know. There's so many little moments, and she plays so many things silently, which is where I'm like, she's really good in this because she's kind of quiet in it. And then every other director who put her in a movie after that kind of dropped the ball. Yeah. Because they didn't really... Yeah. Didn't know what to do with She her, does give a really good performance in this movie. She so really, credit really where does. it's due. She really does. You know, after seeing Who's That Girl and Body of Evidence, I was ready to, you know, 
throw in the towel yeah. on the Madonna as She's actress experiment, but desperately seeking Susan, really, really strong, really funny, great cast. And, and I, as I think I've already told you, everybody in this movie is super hot because they're all cocaine skinny because it was, you know, the mid eighties. Right. And they're all, you know, their, their fits are just immaculate. Even the dorky characters look hotter this than is the, anybody. I'm going to say this because uh-huh. I, I noticed when you said that, I was like, I get, I get what you're saying, but you know, there, that is some, that is some 2023 20, guy. No, that's true. Because I will tell you that because of this sort of, uh, you know, this sort of, especially thing that started happening about 20 years ago, which is what I'm going to call the sort of, I know this is a passe word, but the like hipster 80s thing. The reappropriation of of 80s fashion. Anything 80s then becomes cool. And I can tell you right now that that was not the case. And I oftentimes look at people and I'm like, nobody would have worn that with that with that. Like that's an (laughs) explosion of different things things so you kind of got it a little bit wrong and then they may be able to find a picture to point to where they're like yeah but this person did yeah this one person who like it was so noticeable they got their photo made because we didn't just take pictures of everything all the time sure anyway my point is some of that geekiness was just geekiness back in the day i'm sure it was but but by 2023 geek standards it's stylish as hell yeah when some of these motherfuckers won't ever like brush their hair and wear nothing but like graphic tees right and shit like that like the fact that you know some of the dweeby characters in this movie are wearing like full suits and and they look great like i don't know what to tell you that was definitely like her husband was deaf the spocking yeah was definitely a dork I mean, those commercials are so funny. So funny. (laughs) Everything. And I love their kitchen. Like when she's watching a little TV with Julia Child, I like the details in this Mm -hmm. film are really, really important and really, really enjoyable and embraceable. And just for example, I love, I love Susan's best friend. Yeah. I love them on the couch outside. Mm -hmm. I love the fact that he's a projectionist. Like there's so many things that don't have to go into this film that do. I love the goodbye from the van where Madonna's just, where you, it's just like these little tiny Mm -hmm. moments where she's saying goodbye to him where you're like, oh, I could see how everybody in the world would fall in love with this woman. She's being so adorable and everything about her is so magnetic. It is Madonna kind of playing Madonna, but not playing Madonna. And it's, it's everything she's, she's right She's right about to t- turn the corner where she's at the height of her game, yeah. And and it's just it just energy, pure energy. I, I I particularly love the scene where she's in the the dance club and into the groove starts playing, and she's got a look on her face that's like this shit is dope. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Whoever whoever recorded this song is a fucking genius. Yes. I, what a flex. Um, it's I, like, I like it's that. like she knows what's coming yeah. in this film because yeah. let's remember that like she's she's on she's not Madonna yet right she, she's Madonna but she's not like this person is somebody who's going to go down in the record books Madonna I mean this was back yeah. in the day when she still was like is it going to be Cindy Lauper or Madonna for the Queen of Pop on the right, cover right, right. or something magazine or whatever who ended up uh, becoming the Queen of Pop oh shut up <laughs> and so but it's as if she kn- well that's the whole point right in right. this film she's playing this character like she damn well knows who's going to be. She knows that in 2023, people are still going to be fucking talking about it. Yeah. Her. Yeah. And it's sure just enough. brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah. Really good movie. Really enjoyed it. Um, and you have a good point, though, that the costume design, the interior design, the spaces, like you're also seeing, you know, pre September 11th, New York. Yeah. And it's it in Battery Park specific. Like you're in, you're in Tribeca in this thing. Like see this film if for no other reason to see the spaces and places and clothes. And the, um, the three identical strangers, their little cameo, yes, which is cool. This thing is loaded it's with just, crazy shit. You know, it's a snapshot of a very specific time and place. And you have actors like, 
John Turturro, like Gian- Giancarlo Esposito, um, even Aiden Quinn, who's yeah, the, you know, the, the male lead, who I talked shit about when we talked about Practical Magic, perfectly charming and wonderful in this movie. Yeah, so. I think everybody would have sex with him too, y'all. Just uh, so you know. I, I know we've had this debate before, but y'all would do it. I'd have They'd to. do it. I don't know. Suspenders, he's a projectionist. He's kind of, you know. Well, pr- the projectionist thing might be what pushes me over the top, well, so Well, to I just can't get past the, the crush that Rosanna Arquette has on Madonna. I mean, I, that's the whole gist of this thing anyway. I can't get over the crush I have on both Rosanna Arquette and Madonna I in know, this movie. Adorbs. Yeah. And the earrings and all of it. Also, yeah. she's just, let's also acknowledge that she's basically just an unapologetic sex worker. In a time when 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 so many films had sex work as a central theme. and That's it was true. All, yeah. And she's just an unapologetic sex worker in this thing, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. I, you you know, we have Desperately Seeking Susan, and then we have Pretty Woman as the right, natural culmination right. of that. This, this film's got, am I wrong? This film's got, a, it's a comedy, it's funny, it's yeah. a dark comedy, it's also kind of a dramedy, but this thing's got a little edge to it. It does. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's a it's a really good movie. I was I was really um, not not surprised exactly, but but um, I was relieved, I guess, that it lived up to the hype. Yeah. Anyway, hearing, hearing about it from you, I've talked about a lot about it as have you. So I'm sorry for no, for that's okay. But what else have you seen? I guess the only other thing I want to mention, and I've watched so many like great movies in the last couple of weeks, but the only thing I want to mention is is the current um, divisive um, or extremely divisive attraction at the cinema these days. Uh, Ari Aster's Bo is I'm afraid. afraid. I'm afraid. You're afraid. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Well, sharpen those five-minute fight, you know, You don't knives. like it. No, I like it okay. a lot. You think I'm not going to like it. <sighs> Look, <laughs> I don't know that I could possibly anticipate how any given person gotcha. is going to react to this Three thing. hours, though, Corey, so it's not off to a good start it, for me. Yeah, I mean, that right there might be enough. And I, I don't think I would disagree with you if you said it was a, a touch over long, but it is a movie that, although I don't think it's it's perfect and I don't think it's a great movie, it is a movie that I haven't been able to stop thinking about since I saw it about two weeks ago. Uh, that's always a good sign. Um, it's just living in my head and I anticipate watching it again one day and just kind of absorbing more about it. It is it is darkly, like pitch dark, yeah. hilarious. Is this people's problem with it? I think I think – it is a very particular type of humor, right? I mean, think think about like if you find uh, Franz Kafka's "The Trial" funny or something like that. Um, then or uncut afraid. gems. Well, yeah, I mean, sort of. It, it doesn't have too terribly much in common with that. Well, or except that like, it's, a, it's a particular humor, and if you yeah you you think it's funny or you don't, right? I mean, I mean that's that's kind of what this comes down to. It is a comedy of profound anxiety, and if you are a person who struggles with anxiety, and I don't know if you could tell this just by listening to my voice on this podcast, but I am a person who struggles with anxiety. Sure. And as a person who struggles with anxiety, um, what happens is, you know, when you when you get in your head and you get anxious about something, you start concocting worst case scenarios. What if this were to happen? What if that were to happen? If I say this, this could happen. If I do this, this could happen. Well, Bo is Afraid is a comedy where every, you know, it is the story of an, a terribly anxious person who is paralyzed with fear and anxiety. But the difference is the world truly does hate Bo, and every worst case scenario that he concocts 
ends up coming to pass, but so much worse than he could have ever imagined. Is, is this Ari Aster taking on Curb Your Enthusiasm? I mean, in some ways, it is Curb Your Enthusiasm by way of Hereditary, which yeah. I think is hilarious. That sounds funny. And it is so fucking weird and so fucking distressing in so many ways. The first hour of this movie that takes place in this surreal, over-the-top city that is overrun by violent crime, like, you know, what Fox News viewers think about every urban city in America, but heightened to an absurd degree. It is packed with so many sight gags and jokes, almost like a classic era episode of The Simpsons, uh, that it, it might be that that hour, that first hour of the film might be one of the best things Ari Aster's ever done. Um, and the movie keeps going from there for, right. for quite a for long time. For another two hours, um, everyone. And your mileage may vary. Mine certainly sure. did as to the effectiveness of the yeah, various gotcha. episodes that he um, you know, endures. It, it might be, and, and especially once we reach the final 30, 45 minutes yeah. or so, it starts running on fumes. But um, there are... Some really like shocking things that happen near the end of the movie too. Just to keep you awake, yeah. That, that kind of jolt you. Um, you know, the movie pushes beyond mere like you know the the surreal territory that it had been in into completely bug nuts, ridiculous, completely we have left planet Earth um, territory that is really you know, exciting to me. And yeah. I don't, again, think every single element of that works, but a lot of it does. There's a moment near the end of this movie where we get an extended sequence with Parker Posey. Well, that's so always credit in that movie's favor right there. But that Parker Posey sequence is simultaneously horrifying and, and hilarious in so many different ways. Um, and even if you don't, end up walking away from this movie collective, like enjoying everything about it. I I do think that there are elements of it that you will respond to. Um, I mean, a lot of people are calling it complete garbage. So I'm, I'm very curious. I love a divisive film. I do. You're, you're going to immediately understand why this thing is divisive. I get, I mean, I already, I mean, look, the runtime alone, the poster art alone, I get, and and look who the director is. I know. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm really not surprised. Where I'm going to fall, who knows? You know, I'm not a huge fan of Midsommar. I'm not. Or Midsummer, as we can just call it. I think that movie is a delight, as No, but to your point, right? There's so many memorable, crazy things about this movie. I'm uh-huh. glad this movie exists. It is not to my taste, people. Yeah. And part of it is because I have tryptophobia and watching the little flowers move and all this kind of shit. Really, it's un- it's incredibly uh, oh, he's, unpleasant. He's working his way under your skin, and I'm sure there are any number of moments in Bo is Afraid that, that will gonna... repel you. Yeah, but that's by design. Yeah. Well, and I mean the whole sledgehammer scene or whatever you want to call it, uh-huh. the mallet scene, right? Like yeah. you, I mean, look. How many people out there, how many films do we talk about that you're like, oh, I've seen it, don't remember it. You are not going to forget seeing nope. one of his films. I'm and going to give him credit there. I'll I'll certainly say that is true of Bo is Afraid, which comes up, comes up with some really indelible images. <laughs> Let's yeah. just say that. And I do get kind of angry. You know me. I do get kind of angry at the, like, I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Hereditary than Midsummer, but I do get kind of angry at the, at how the beginning of that film swipes my legs and punches me in the gut. And I understand that's part of the point, but I don't, there's something so 
dark and upsetting about it that it really it it, it kind of pisses me off. I mean, that's his style, right? Yeah, like yeah, take, yeah. take respect, right? An upsetting but- scenario and push it beyond what anybody would anticipate into territory that is so much worse. And then subliminally ram it down their throat. Yeah. I, okay, I get I, again, respect, but it doesn't make me like something. And so I'm I'm going to, you know, we'll see where I fall. We'll see I, where I fall. Judging by that, I think I know, but but yeah, I got you. I, I still ordered the pajamas everybody. You got to you got to tip the cap even if you see the movie of and you, you hate it. It is certainly a unique vision and what pisses me off is all of these people on the internet one you know the movie's doing it's doing probably as well as could be expected for a three-hour alienating and divisive dark comedy sure um but you have people on the internet being like well he just you know set 35 million dollars of a24's money on fire bitch that ain't your money let exciting filmmakers take big yeah, swings. Yeah, I think that's really unfair. Yeah. I think that's – and I think it's dangerous. If, you didn't, I think if it didn't work for if, you, fine. But it's not Avengers Endgame or something. It's not yeah, quit giving Marvel money movie to, number 44. It's not – yeah, that, that really – that makes me mad. I mean, I think clear – again, no matter what I think about the film itself, this is a director that has a vision – you know, I, I there's lots of people we could get mad about spending $35 million on something, and, and this is – I just am not – now, when I'm you see this movie and you fucking despise it, I'm I going to remind probably, you of those words. I'm probably still going to stand behind those words. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, um, I get it. You know, I mean, unless it's unless you're there's something you're not telling me, which is that it's like anti-feminist propaganda or Nazi propaganda or something. Well, and then, yeah, then I'll be mad. It's not Nazi propaganda. I don't see it as anti-feminist propaganda. I, it probably is anti-feminist, but I don't think it's I, anti-feminist know, propaganda. Mm, if somebody's got a perspective, they've got a perspective. I don't it would have to be, like it. It would be worth having a discussion. I don't want to give anything yeah, away, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it would be worth having a discussion with you about it. I'll well, for sure, that. because I mean, the other question is like, what are, I mean, I have some issues in that same world with, with Midsummer. Sure. Midsummer I mean, for y'all, you know, whatever's. Bo is Afraid is certainly locked into a very, let's say, male perspective. Well, I mean, look who directed it. I know, but it... it Shocker. But, but I got you. It, I got you. It, you'll, you'll see what I mean. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it. We're yeah, talking we'll around talk about it now, it so let's talk about it later. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, we, we only really talked about four or five films yeah, just now, but so we spent a lot things. of time on it. We'll, we'll get back to those later. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to cover some other things in another segment. Well, thank you for listening to the Side Talks podcast. We're your own personal cinematic Jared Leto and Carl Lagerfeld's cat. Oh, no. What did that asshole do to a cat? Chipotle. Ch- uh, no. Ch- Ch- can you look that up? Yes. Carl Lagerfeld's cat's pronunciation. Ch- Chipotle. I think it's Chipotle. Chipotle? Yes. And you don't know? No. Okay, well, listen closely because you've got to pick one or the other, and you may not just want to land on the cat in this case. Okay. So, Chopete, which I'm pretty sure that's right, is, again, Carl Lagerfeld's cat. That was one, that was the sort of, they were doing a homage to uh-huh, Carl Lagerfeld uh-huh. at, the, at the Met Gala, uh, Gala this time around, and guess, <gasps> who, guess who Jared Leto dressed as? Oh, he's wearing a full fucking cat costume. Chopete, <gasps> which I think that's how it's said. No. Wow. French-speaking wife is going to come Well, me. one, that's a beautiful cat. Yeah, well, let me tell you what Chopete had to say. Are you ready? Uh-huh. Chopete said, first, I didn't make it to the Met. This is what he, what uh, she, 
uh, tweeted out there in the world or posted. Cat can tweet? Yeah, yeah, she can. Special cat. This cat is also, just so you know, got a large chunk of Karl Lagerfeld's fortune uh, uh, upon his death. 12-year-old cat. So this cat has an agent. So Chapette said that she didn't make it to the Met Gala because, and I don't know who we is, we prefer to stay peacefully and cozy at home. As most cats do. But Chopete, through her agent, said she wasn't a huge fan of Leto's replica costume because she doesn't like rivals. <laughs> that and sounds like a cat. The agent went on and added, she's very fierce. She's very competitive. And when asked, well, what if she had actually been there to see Leto's costume in person? This is what the agent said. She would have snubbed him. She would have seen him as just another fan trying to get her attention. Yeah. She'd pretend that Leto doesn't matter, that he's not relevant because he's not the real Chapete. Yeah, but my my cats treat me like that every single day, and I don't even well, dress up like them. I want you to know uh-huh. that Chapete did come out and say, though, that she did, though, however, like Kim Kardashian's outfit, and that when they recently met, that they had a strong connection. Oh. She's a cat anyway, person. Are you going to be Chapete? Oh, I feel like I'm saying this wrong. Did you look it up? Or are I, you going to be it's French. Jared Leto? Oh, geez. Who do you think I'm going to yeah, pick here? Chopetti. Chopetti. I feel like I'm saying I feel like I'm saying it wrong. Like Gepetti. Gepetti. So I know. Geppetto. So, yeah, Geppetto. That's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. But no, I, I'm I'm probably going to get speared for this. I mean, this cat would not like me either. That's clear. This cat would love me. Probably. All cats like so me. go ahead. You're whatever. Chopete. Chopete. I would be best friends with that cat. That's a beautiful cat. That's a beautiful Truly cat. Truly beautiful cat. That's a cat. rich cat. That cat's got way more money than all of us in this building put together. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't like Jared Leto, but what can I do? Yeah. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to the Side Talks podcast. Thanks to Batwall Studios, of course. Brad, we love you. Thank you. And visit us online at SidewalkFest.com or on social media at Sidewalk Film. And don't forget to get not only cinema tickets, but your passes to the 25th Annual Sidewalk Film Festival. They're on sale now, and the price will go up as the summer continues. So go ahead and get your passes right now, SidewalkFest.com. And join us in downtown Birmingham in late August for our festival. Hope to see you there. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words our expertise.